It's 10 years since the death of American religious scholar Robert Bella, and his work was very prescient. In the 1970s, he predicted neoliberal economics would create a hole that many communities might one day fill with authoritarian populism. Bella also made famous the idea that as America lost its Christianity, as it has, it would create a so-called civil religion. Dr Matthew Rose of the Morningside Institute in New York has been thinking a lot about the legacy of Bella. Robert Bella was an American sociologist who I think could make a pretty fair claim to being one of the most influential scholars of the post-war era. His study of religious and moral communities was kind of widely studied and widely consulted outside of the academy. His work was used by politicians, by clergy, and by community leaders who sought his advice about the shape of political policy. By the way, was one of those President Jimmy Carter when he was in the White House? Did he consult Bella? Indeed, Jimmy Carter was just one of a number of Democratic presidents who consulted Robert Bella. Bella was brought, I think, twice to the White House in the late 70s for consultations with Carter, who wanted the advice of academics, including Christopher Lash, about the kind of moral drift and moral unease that had been settling in in American democracy. Bella was also consulted and celebrated by President Clinton, who awarded him at the end of his second term a medal from the National Endowment of the Humanities. And what would, say, Jimmy Carter have found valuable in Robert Bella? And also you mentioned the late, great Christopher Lash, but Bella in particular. What insights into the American character would a serving president find useful? Bella was really a student of the way that Americans thought about and talked about the nature of the moral and religious lives. If I had to kind of reduce a really extraordinary publishing career to a kind of single sentence, I would say that what Bella believed was that everything of the deepest importance and deepest meaning in human life was becoming increasingly obscured by the idea that human beings are fundamentally individuals who can define and pursue for themselves and by themselves an understanding of the good life. And if you think of that image of the kind of free, emancipated human being who defines themselves in opposition to communities and traditions and institutions, that'll explain some of the reasons why somebody like Carter and Clinton and clergy and other politicians sought Bella as guidance and for the kind of difficulties and crises within democratic and liberal political life. So he was the ultimate communitarian. He was. It was not a term that he often described to himself. He could be fairly described as a communitarian. He could fairly be described as a kind of Christian Democrat. And he could also be fairly described as a democratic socialist. He most famously developed this idea of America having a, quote, civil religion. What did he mean by the idea of America's civil religion? One of the most important ideas in sociology of the 20th century was the so-called modernization thesis. One piece of this thesis was that as societies modernize, as they become more educated, they come to rely on technology, that their economies become more capitalistic, as their political institutions become democratic. In other words, as they modernize, they also secularize, at least in the sense that religious belief either weakens or it becomes increasingly private. Bella was really skeptical about this story where it concerned religion. He thought that all societies remain deeply religious in fundamentally important ways. 
famously, one way he described this was by using the notion of civil religion. And he argued that the United States, which was seemingly the most modern of all societies, was actually not all that much different from traditional societies. Looking at American history, at things like presidential speeches and inaugurations, and a number of kind of civic rituals in our life, you see that it retains very distinctly its own civil religion. Mm. In other words, it had its own rituals, it had its own kind of liturgical calendar, it had something like holy documents, it had saints and prophets and martyrs and even pilgrimage sites. And this idea of civil religion, he thought, was the key for unlocking the kind of deepest American ideals and deepest American controversies. Mm. And that he thought that this animating religious identity to American life was something that you really couldn't understand American life without seeing it in these kind of fundamentally religious terms. We're talking here about what America's secular saints, so they Abraham Lincoln, obviously, yeah. but the founding fathers, I'm assuming, these are the sort of people he was saying that America was making sacred, <laughs> even though they were secular founders. That's right. For him, the most important thing that civil religion contributed to American life is twofold. It provided a kind of ground for the basic legitimacy of American ideals and institutions, but it also provided grounds on which Americans could disagree and could criticize those ideals and institutions. So if he popularized the term civil religion, I think perhaps his most famous book was called Habits of the Heart. I think he co-wrote this with four other people. What did the book Habits of the Heart discover about the United States and its people? Habits of the Heart came out in 1984, if I'm not mistaken, the year that Ronald Reagan was re-elected. The book quickly became his biggest professional success, and I think it actually sold something like close to half a million copies and also became a Pulitzer finalist. Basically, it was a study of the way that Americans from a wide diversity of lives and backgrounds made sense of their moral and ethical and religious lives. Bella and his colleagues were really interested in their responses to questions like, how do you determine what is good and right in your daily life? How do you justify the moral choices that you make? Americans had a really difficult time explaining the kinds of choices that they had made in their lives morally and articulating the things that were most important to them. So on one hand, Americans profess to want to live lives of responsible citizenship and religious seriousness, and they took very, very seriously the kinds of obligations and responsibilities that they had to their friends and neighbors and communities. But when Bell and his team really pressed Americans to describe why they had lived the lives they did, they found that their moral language had become deeply impoverished. When people tried to explain how and why they made moral choices, that they used a kind of unbelievably narrow set of ethical terms, rather than saying that they valued citizenship and religious lives because of religious or political commitments, they found that people justified their terms almost entirely in terms of their kind of idiosyncratic personal preferences. What is good is what they liked or what they found personally satisfying, or what they found individually rewarding. Mm. There's a very interesting character to come out of Habits of the Heart. Who was Sheila Larson? She's a real person. She was interviewed for the book. Sheila Larson was the name of a young nurse that Robert Bella interviewed. Sheila said that she was religious, that she believed in God, 
and that she took her career as a nurse and her obligation seriously. But when she was pressed to describe her religious and moral beliefs, Sheila revealed that she actually had her own religion. (laughs) And she called it, with kind of unbelievable candor, Sheilaism. Sheilaism was a voice in her own head that she identified with something like God. Well, it told her to be good and nice to other people, but Sheila also said that it also told her to take care of herself. And so somebody like Sheila, with this kind of hints of this growing solipsism, was for Bella a kind of worrying some sign about the kind of direction that American individualism might be taking in the 80s. Hmm. Well, it was very prescient though, Matthew, because if you think of the social media-driven culture today, self-care is a very big thing, personal expression. This book and Sheila Larson, one of the characters in it, was very prescient. She was a pace setter. She was. What Bella showed in Habits of the Heart is that Americans no longer had the ideas and the symbols and the stories that they could really express a rich vision of the lives that they wanted to lead. They were, in other words, just fundamentally inarticulate about what mattered to them most. Some of the most haunting sections of that book are when Bella has people really struggling to explain the most basic values and the, and the real sacrifices that they had actually made for their families and spouses. And so in the case like Sheila, she's just trying to describe her own religious ideals, but finds herself just reflexively talking about her own personal preferences mm. in, her, in her own inner life in a way that completely disconnected from any other kinds of obligations or responsibilities. Talking of personal lives, Bella's own personal life was quite complex. That's a euphemism. What was his personal life? The question that you pose has recently become more complicated and more interesting in light of recent revelations made in the work of a really wonderful Italian scholar named Matteo Bordellini. Bordellini had gotten access to the diaries of Robert Bella, and he had also worked closely with Bella's surviving family members. The details of the story here are not entirely clear. Sometime in the 1970s, Bella and his wife seemed to have opened up their marriage and had done so with kind of full knowledge of their own children. I should ask that Bella and his wife had a wonderful marriage in other respects. It's clear that the two kind of deeply loved and deeply, deeply cared for each other, and they remained married. But during the 70s, they also experimented in relationships of their own. In Bella's case, that involved affectionate relationships with men. It's clear that the relationships were deeply fulfilling and in some cases quite long. It's not entirely clear to what degree they were or were not sexual. But what is clear is that for long periods of his life, Bella often felt quite conflicted about his own sexual identity. Dr. Matthew Rose, he's the director of the Barry Center. It's part of the Morningside Institute in New York City. And Matthew's latest essay appears in Commonweal magazine. It's on the legacy of the late scholar Robert Bella, who died 10 years ago. And there's a link to his article at our website. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.